The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, and the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk all about Monday Night Raw from last night. A good episode of Monday Night Raw from last night. Also, we speak to number one contender for the NWA Women's Championship, Camille, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I think overall, Bully, a good show uh, from from what is now your go-home show for Raw before we get to WrestleMania Backlash on Sunday. And based on the go-home show, are you more interested for WrestleMania Backlash or not? I, I am, uh, based on the main event that I saw last night with Lashley and Drew and then the involvement of Braun Strowman. So for that alone... I am uh, I am interested to see how that plays out on Sunday night. I'm going to lay out on Raw today. Okay. And I will answer any questions you might have. I would really like to hear from fans first because we've we've fallen into a bit of a pattern here on Tuesdays where we talk about Raw, we try really hard to extract the positives from Raw, and then, some, and, then, and then we get on to some of the things that just didn't make sense or were not good. You go on a rant. Uh, I'll handle this any way, any way you want to. But like I said I, a couple of weeks ago, I'm now looking at Raw through a different set of eyes. It's not a sports entertainment show. It's not a pro wrestling show. It's a sports entertainment variety show. A, vari- a variety three hours, like the Dean Martin variety show or any of the variety shows that we grew up with in the 60s and 70s. That's what it is. And on a variety of show, um, much like even like an SNL, Saturday Night Live is still a variety show with different skits and different sketches. You're going to get some good. You're going to get some bad. Hell, this past week, uh, weekend with Elon Musk on, I heard people putting it over to the moon, and I heard people absolutely destroying it. Is what it is. I like a pro wrestling show with, you know, with some sports entertainment mixed in. That's why I really like NXT. That's why I really like AEW. That's why I really like SmackDown. 
uh, the three of us, or the four of us, me, yourself, Ed, Gabby, were on a text thread last night, and I said to you guys, why is this show so much more difficult to watch than SmackDown? I mean, we know that NXT, in, in my eyes, the, the pecking order is NXT, SmackDown, Raw. Why is Raw so much difficult to, to, to watch? Like, if we did the obvious and just took away an hour, would that cure the problem? It would, it would help it, but I would still think that the show would be third. Like, even if it was the two-hour show, it would be behind NXT and SmackDown. The problems that I have with Monday Night Raw, and I, and I think you could probably look back to last night as being an example of it, it always feels like we've been down this road before. A lot of the segments and a lot of the matches, it feels like, to me, like we've seen it before. NXT, I don't feel that way with NXT. I certainly don't feel that way with SmackDown, but I definitely feel that way on Monday nights. Uh, I understand what you're saying. We get the same talent on SmackDown, though, week after week. We don't ever come on here on Monday mornings and say, like, we feel like we're getting the same thing week after week. Is it about the thread of the show? I mean, last night I saw a thread throughout the show. You see the thread, you know, with Drew with Braun, with, uh, with Bobby. The thread is there with the, with the payoff at the end. Why is this thread not working, but the threading on SmackDown with Roman, Paul, the Usos, and whoever's involved with them at the time, now it's Cesaro. How come that thread works every week? I think it's probably we're more emotionally invested in the characters that are being played out Ding. on the show. Ding. Circle gets a square. Year supply of turtle wax. You know, the year supply of turtle wax always came off very misleading, Dave. Why? Because when you think about a year's supply of turtle wax, how much turtle wax does that sound like? Sounds like a lot of turtle wax. But in all honesty, how many times do you wax your car every year? You're, I mean, uh, not much. Actually, Let's I, don't, just say I you... don't polish it at all. I take it to a car wash and have them do it. Or you have Violetta do it. Right, exactly. We know. We know. I listened to the podcast last week. I got all the dirt on you from Violetta. You, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so how many times, let's just say that you waxed your car once a month. That would be 12 waxings in a year. You can get 12 waxings out of one jar of turtle wax. Is that, that's not so true, when, is it? Yes, it is. Absolutely. So when the Price is Right tells you that you're getting a year's supply of turtle wax, what they mean is you're actually getting one canister of turtle wax, possibly two. Well, very, was it a, very was it a and year's it's, and it's supply of turtle pro- wax or a lifetime supply of turtle wax? Year's supply, year's supply. And this is one of the problems I've always had with the Price is Right, and I think this is a great discussion for us to have today. Nation, call in. If you have a problem with the Price is Right also, let us know. Price is Right goes by pretty quickly, though. It's not like a Monday Night Raw. But to go back right. and... I was, jo- I was joking around because <laughs> that turtle wax thing always bothered me. But yes, you're right. It's the characters yes. that we're more invested in. But uh, when I look at the characters of Bobby, Drew, and Braun, I don't see the same depth as, obviously, Heyman, obviously, Roman, Roman even the Usos. The Usos have gotten tremendous, well, at least one of the Usos, tremendous depth over the past year or so. 
where I can see that what I you know originally saw the turmoil in in I don't know Jimmy or Jay saw the turmoil you know going through their head finally saw them got on board so I'm wondering if the if the uh, you know they are giving us the threat on Raw but the emotional investment in the characters just isn't the same as it is on SmackDown. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a combination of that. It's a combination of the three hours. Um, and, and maybe some of the, the just the weak segments creatively that they come up with. A case in point is, and I was having a lot of arguing, and I want to get your obviously your take on it, but I was arguing with a lot of Nation members last night with the Jinder Mahal-Jeff uh, Hardy match. Uh, Jeff Hardy you know, loses to Jinder in three minutes on that show. And I was like, man, Jeff Hardy deserves better. And there were fans that were coming at me. It was like, Hey, isn't that what the veteran talent is for is to put over the younger talent? Well, let's pump the brakes a second. Jinder is not exactly new talent. You know, he's somebody that's been with the company, somebody that's a former world champion. So it's not like you're throwing out a younger talent that just debuted from NXT. That's number one. And then I said, you need a story there. There's gotta be a story that leads to a major match where it means something. And then, like, a nation member says to me, well, Dave, like, you're going to forget about this in a month. So what's the big deal? Exactly. You're going to forget about it in a month. So what's the big deal? No, what you should do is have a story between Jeff Hardy and Jinder Mahal where it builds up that makes you want to watch the show every Monday night, get emotionally invested in both the wrestlers, and then it leads to a pay-per-view match where Jinder Mahal goes over on Jeff Hardy. To me, that means a hell of a lot more than just on a, a random Monday night, Jinder beats Jeff Hardy in a three-minute match. I don't think that does anything for anyone, what they did last night on Raw. It could have been as simple as the old... Remember the old-school way, Dave, of two guys having an issue or a problem with each other where one guy's walking down the hallway... The other guy's walking the other way down the hallway. They give each other a dirty look or they bump into each other's shoulders. And all of a sudden, an entire storyline, you know, uh, is given birth from that. What's the most popular one? A la Iron Sheik and, and, and Sergeant Slaughter where, you know, Sergeant Slaughter was leaving the ring. Iron Sheik was going to the ring and they kind of just bumped shoulders. And that's how one of the greatest feuds in WWF history started. And that's just from bumping shoulders. But at least that's... A, I understand why one guy is mad at the other guy just because you bump shoulders. Kind of like when you were back in high school or even if you're walking through a, a, a department store today. Let's say that you're in Walmart. You're going down the aisle. Guy's coming up the other aisle. He bumps into you. You're going to look at him and go, hey, buddy, what's your problem? Yep. Or actually, you wouldn't say anything. Violetta would turn around and go, hey, buddy, what is your problem? I mean, that's probably what happened. And then Violetta would kick his ass, right? (laughs) Don't you talk to Dave like that. That's my David. I put on his orthopedic shoes for him. I make Velcro go snap. Anyway, so there'd be something there. Why couldn't we see that from Jinder and Jeff? Why couldn't we see Jinder at the gorilla position? Uh, Um getting ready for a match or, or talking about the new young guys that are with them and see Jeff Hardy on the other side getting all ready to go. And, he, and he's like, why are you getting ready tonight? You know, you don't have a match. I have a match. And Jeff says, well, yeah, now your match is with me. Anything. Anything. To make me, the fan, understand why Jinder and Jeff are in there. 
Now, to, to your point and to the fans' point, you're damn right. It's Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy is more over in his sleep than three-quarters of the WWE roster right now. How's that? I agree. If there was like Jeff a crowd Hardy. in attendance, if there was a crowd in attendance, Jeff Hardy coming out to the ring is going to probably get a, a bigger pop than 75% of the roster right now. No doubt. No doubt. So they go out there, and basically it's a, it's a glorified enhancement ma- match for Jinder against Jeff Hardy. Unfortunately, the WWE has always looked at things where one guy moves forward, the other guy either stays in his spot or takes a step back. One guy lives, the other guy dies. We have to have a sacrificial, um, sacrificial lamb for a particular talent at one time. I don't look at it like that. I look at it as when the segment is over, when the match is over, when the promo is over, everybody takes a step forward. Yep. Well, Bubba, how does Jeff Hardy take a step forward? Of course he takes a step forward. He becomes beloved, more beloved in loss. He gets over while Jinder goes over. Yep. So, yes, Jeff can put over the younger talent without a doubt, but there's a way to put over the younger talent. And you put over the younger, younger talent through a stronger match which features both guys, not just to step all over Jeff. I mean, last week, Jeff was on main event or something like that, right? Yes. This week, he's getting his ass kicked by Jinder. In three minutes. What's the point? In three minutes. What's the point? Yep. I don't, I don't look – I'm not sitting back and going, wow, Jinder just killed Jeff Hardy in three minutes. Now, maybe an 18-year-old is or a 16-year-old, or a 13-year-old, maybe a newer wrestling fan, maybe the uh, the demographic in India that I know the WWE um, plays to and caters to a lot because they got a great fan base there in India, maybe they're jumping for joy this morning saying, wow, Jinder beat Jeff Hardy in three minutes. But to us, it doesn't make sense. To me, as a creative person in wrestling, it doesn't make sense. I would have liked to have seen something more competitive, realistic in which gender would have won but when jeff jeff got up hey jeff we love you for it well i mean but i think we're at the point and tell me if you disagree but i think we're at the point now when we see jeff hardy we know he's gonna lose like he's on a losing streak and it's not even storyline related he's like in i hate to say it bully from when we were growing up like tony Gurria. Mad Dog Vashon territory. Guys that were once legends, but now are on TV just to put other guys over. That's how I feel Jeff Hardy is being used right now on Monday Night Raw. And the guy's extremely popular. He's a legend. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's somebody that can be used the right way to really, truly get somebody over. I don't think Jinder beating Jeff Hardy last night in three minutes did anything for Jinder. Because there's there's nothing behind it. There's no substance to it. It's more about people being upset that Jeff Hardy won than, wow, Jinder Mahal just beat Jeff Hardy. Jeff has been there for a long time. Jeff is older. Thus, they look at him as a guy who's been there for a long time and older. What more can we do with Jeff? My God, Jeff's done it all. Let's get Jinder over How about we have a good competitive match? Because I'll be damned if Jeff Hardy, a former world champion, 
can't have a really strong competitive match with Jinder in which both guys win. Unfortunately, I'm not looking at Jinder as a bigger star this morning or had a more credible victory. It just, it is what it is. And when we talk about Raw, I seem to be saying this phrase more and more often. It is what it is, Dave. It's programming for Monday night and next Monday night, we're going to move on. So most people say, well, just sit back and enjoy it. Okay, I'll try. I know how I would have enjoyed Jinder versus Jeff a lot more because last night to me wasn't enjoyable. Did we get a Jeff Hardy entrance? I don't even remember if we got an entrance or not. I honestly don't know. For some reason, I think they came up in the ring with Jeff. I don't know. I have to go back and look. When we're in break, I'll go back and look. But just so you know, like you just mentioned that Jeff Hardy is a former heavyweight champion. He's a former WWE champion, a former world heavyweight champion, a former intercontinental champion, a former U.S. champion, a former hardcore champion, a former SmackDown tag team champion, a former Raw tag team champion, and a former world tag team champion. So I think if there is a belt that was ever created by the WWE, Jeff Hardy has had that title. So to me, if Jinder is going to beat somebody like that, make it seem larger than life. Talk about all the titles that Jeff Hardy won and talk about how great and how much of a legend he is and build it up towards something where it's significant enough that people are going to say, holy shit, Jinder Mahal just beat Jeff Hardy. And if you really want to do it the right way, if you really want to make Jinder look like a credible killer, the bell rings Jeff comes flying across the ring with a forearm at Jinder's head. Jinder hooks his finish. Wham! Hits his finish on Jeff Hardy. One, two, three. Yeah. That quick. Now you're in shock mode. Now you're like, holy shit. What the hell just happened? And you're, you're more emotional because you're shocked and bewildered by, by Jeff getting beat in 10 seconds. In three minutes. Your, your emotions have come down. Now you sit back and you go, oh, look at what they're doing to Jeff. Oh, Jeff yeah. shouldn't be treated this way. If you're going to do it, do it right. Go for shock and awe. Last night was just, it wasn't shocking to me. No, you're almost expecting it at that point. That's what the shame of it is. Because now when I see Jeff Hardy in the ring, I'm expecting him to lose. I'm not expecting him to win. And I think that's a problem. Ed, you had something if to gonna- say? Jeff did get an entrance, uh, yes. Ed, right? Yes, he got it. Yeah. For some reason, entrance. I just didn't I, did, I didn't remember his entrance. Okay. He came out so after he did Junior. did get an entrance. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Sirius XM Fight Nation is your home for the hardest hitting combat sports talk you'll find in the world. Whether it's pro wrestling, MMA, or boxing, join the conversation with us at 877-FIGHT-93. Anytime from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. As we react to the hottest storylines, most intriguing matchups, and more. Oh, my God! Your home for the best all-day combat sports talk anywhere is Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Camille, good morning to you. Thanks for the time. Good morning. How are you guys? We're great. I mean, we're excited. I mean, since this... uh, Back for the attack from the NWA now that the NWA is back. I mean, how are you feeling? Because you have tasted nothing but success since the NWA has come back on Fight TV. Yeah, I'm super happy to be back. As you guys know, we had a a ton of momentum going into everything before COVID hit, and that kind of put a damper on things. So the fact that now we're back and we're kind of rebuilding a little bit and just trying to get eyes back on the product, I'm just super happy that we're making things happen. How did you stay positive during the COVID times? Like you said, you guys were, you're doing really well. Then all of a sudden COVID hits, shut you down again. How did you stay motivated? How did you stay positive? And did you know that you definitely wanted to come back? I knew that I definitely wanted to come back because like I said, you know, the start of NWA power, that was just a, a little taste. And before all that happened, we were supposed to start touring and doing stuff like that. So we had big plans and we were really excited. So I still kept that in the back of my mind and just motivation wise, I tried to get into the ring here in Clarksville when I could. And I got into a bodybuilding show just to keep my body (laughs) conditioned and give me some sort of goal to work towards. So I didn't just sit on the couch and get fat. (laughs) Well, that's what I did, Camille. So, uh, but you know, it's, (laughs) but Camille, you're absolutely right because we all followed your story during this pandemic when NWA was off and you definitely ventured in to a, a different ar- array of competition. And it's amazing, not only how you stayed in shape, but even got in much better shape over this time period. And I think it shows in the ring so far with the NWA. Yeah, I agree. As a, 
uh, Billy, after the last set of tapings, he said, he was like, I don't know what you've been doing, but you know, you're looking great in the ring, keep it up and stuff like that. And the funny thing is the past few months, we actually haven't had the ring available here. So I was kind of like, well, let's see what happens at the last set of tapings. But I do think that, you know, having a, a good build, just number one helps. And I mean, a lot of times it's all you need, a good build and some confidence and you can make things happen. Uh, I want to go through your timeline of when you, you, you first entered into the industry until right now. Real quick overview. Obviously, you go to wrestling school. You come out of wrestling school. You were in the uh, ladies' professional football league. You try to go make a name for yourself over there. Um, you were involved with somebody at the business that um, I don't think that relationship went the right way. You kind of lost your passion for wrestling at a time. And then the NWA comes around. Uh, you're in a new relationship. You're invigorated again. What was the number one thing you learned about yourself personally and this industry and whether or not you really wanted to be a part of it during those times? The biggest learning curve for me was personally, I've always came from sports. I mean, I've played sports since I came out of the womb. So in regular sports, your stats speak for themselves. You put in the work, you get your stats, you perform or you don't. And that's how you earn your keep. That's how you earn your playing time. And in wrestling, I started to find that it was a lot of people having to constantly talk about themselves, having to constantly put themselves over. And I'm just, I'm not the type of person that I'll never be, I'm not going to do that. I refuse. To me, if I'm great, people will talk about me being great. If I perform, you'll be able to see it with your eyes. And so that was a kind of a hard thing for me to swallow. And then I, I had to kind of take a step back and say, is this an industry I want to be in? Do I want to be with people that will step all over you to get to the top? Because I've, like I said, I've always played sports. I've always been part of a team. So when I was with certain companies or, you know, working to me, I was for that day, even if it was an independent for that day, I'm part of that team or that company that I'm working for. Uh, that, that was my mindset. And I slowly started learning, oh, these people, they don't have that team mindset. It's very me, me, me. And they don't care what they have to do to take care of me, me, me. Uh, so I took a little step away and just regrouped. And I realized that, you know, for some people, this may be a problem and, and it may seem like I'm not all in. I'm 100% all in, but I've learned that I have to kind of have a a line between re my wrestling life and my personal life, my, my real life. They, it, I can't blend the two because it's just two separate things. That's interesting because coming from competition, like you said, having that team work ethic and that team atmosphere, does the NWA feel a little bit like a team atmosphere since you're kind of all in this together and you kind of went through this pandemic together? Does it feel a little bit better in that respect than say other indie organizations well that's why i love the nwa because i kind of got on it in it from the ground up it was tim storm then nick aldis then then came camille so the fact that i kind of feel like i have my hand in there to help grow the company and it is still small it's i mean it's still a small company and we're doing everything we can to build it to grow it and that takes a team that doesn't take everyone 
just worried about themselves and okay, whatever happens, happens. You have to also think about the company and what's going to help grow the company. And if the company grows, you grow. So that's the way I look at it. And I, I think, you know, I can't speak for other locker rooms. I haven't been in them, but I personally really love our locker rooms. I think it's a great atmosphere. And I, I look forward to going into work every day when we're there. Take me back to the first time I'm assuming that Billy told you that you would be working with Nick Aldis, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. How did you feel about being paired with Nick? And what are some of the things that you've learned from Nick? At first, it was kind of like we talked about. I was done with the industry at that point. Uh, I got the call from David Lagana, and he just said, are you really done? And I was kind of like, well, why? What, 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 do you, what do you got for me? I'll hear you out. And it just, it, the position that I was going to have, he explained that it was going to be, you know, this insurance policy is sort of almost female bodyguard. And I was like, you know what? I have been missing it a little bit. I've been missing being around it. And this is a great opportunity to dip my toe back in and see if I want to get back into this. So it's not like I would be working a ton in the ring. It's not like I would be having to cut a bazillion promos. Just dip my toe back in, see what this company is all about, and see what the wrestling industry, for me, look, look at it with a different set of eyes. And being able to work with Nick, I mean, even just being able to hear his business mind, as you, I mean, you guys have talked to him a million times, you know, but Nick is very business-minded. And being able to look at the industry from that standpoint instead of such like a personal standpoint is uh, something that I've really taken a lot away from working with Nick. And it's also good storytelling because you being with Nick, that whole period where you did not talk. And then finally you had your debut match. We had you on right after your debut match. And now you fast forward to now after coming back after the pandemic, you winning that match over Thunder Rosa back for the attack. I didn't, I don't think anybody saw that coming, especially that week. You know, Thunder Rosa had that major matchup where she beat Britt Baker on AEW. And then for the pay-per-view, you went over to get that number one contenders, uh, contendership. How did that feel for you? And did you feel like you did shock a lot of fans with that win? It felt great. It felt, you know, a little bit nerve-wracking going into it. Like I said, we hadn't had the ring here. And I knew that we'd be going. Uh, that, that's the longest match that I've ever had in my life. People don't realize that was probably my 40th match ever. So <laughs> like just being able to go in there, perform, and I'm sure shut a lot of mouths and prove a lot of people wrong was really nice for me. And I mean, I know it shocked some people because I know she came off the bloody, you know, crazy match that she just had, but this is the NWA, this ain't AEW. And she's not facing Britt Baker, she's facing Camille. And if you look at us, I respect Thunder Rosa a lot. She is a, a great wrestler. She works very, very hard. But just physically, I'm supposed to win that match. So if I didn't win, I should get out of the business. I'm supposed to win that match physically. You said this is the NWA. This ain't AEW. With the working relationship that the NWA and the AE and AEW have had, is it time for Camille? to step into the AWA one day and show them what you just talked about? I think that I would definitely bring a different twist to their product and, and the types of matches that they typically have. But the only way that I would be going there is if the business was there to do so. If, if it was going to get some, 
I mean, I understand a working relationship, but I'm team NWA. So if the business got more eyes on our product, I'm all for it. But other than that, it is what it is. So if you had your choice, what would the business be and who would it be with? I think down the line, no time soon. And this is because I've seen a lot about it. And this girl, she's brand new, but she is a absolute superstar is Jade Cargill. 100%. I mean, she's a superstar. She looks the part. She looks amazing. It's a, if you're flipping through channels and you see that, you're like, what? What's going on here? And so to me, I like matches with people that are kind of out of this world, something you don't see every day. That, that's what I'm tuning in for. So I think the business is there for me and Jade. I mean, we're similar. We're pr pretty similar size, build, both ex-athletes. So, I mean, I just think that's a, a match made to happen. And don't sell yourself short because if they're flipping through the channels and they see Jade and they're like, holy crap, who the hell is this girl? Trust me, they're doing the same for you because you look a lot different now than you did 10 years ago. And to see you and Jade Cargill just staring at one another in the middle of a ring, creating that, that moment, I agree with you. I think people would pay to see. I agree with that. Oh, but you talk about, Bully talks about stare downs. There's going to be a summit between you and Thunder Rosa tonight on NWA Power at 605. Yeah, Camille's going to be staring down at Thunder Rosa. <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, what can, <laughs> we, what, what can we expect in that summit between you two tonight? So tonight, it's nice because we get to say what we want to say. The last summit that happened, for some reason the higher ups thought if we had other people talking for us, it would stop some drama or something, but come on, we're girls. There's going to be drama. So that didn't work. So tonight we get to say what we want to say, how we've been feeling. And this is almost, I think this is actually my first moment on NWA power other than power surge that I had a little interview where I really do get to say how I feel at that podium, not just a little sentence. I get to say how I feel. And so you can expect to hear if, Number one, if I'm even going to give her a rematch, because Taryn tried to say I'm going to think of stipulations, but I was like, afterwards, I went back, I was like, Taryn, I haven't even said I'm going to do this match yet. You got to let me think about it. So we'll see if I even give her a match, and if I do, what sorts of stipulations that I'll give her for that match. All right, and it's also billed as live and uncensored. So I'm wondering if there could be well, some I don't kind of. why it's billed as live, because we all know that it's not live, so I, uh, but, it, but it will be uncensored. <laughs> Okay, I like how Camille, you know what? Camille does a bullshit. No. I, I was just going to say that. I love the fact that a lot of people come on here and they try to go with the narrative and fool the audience. You, that was very honest of you. That was, that was great. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. We all know that we had taping, so no, it's not live. But it is uncensored, and I think we're saying a lot of what's been on our minds. So. All right. Now, that being said, because in regards to Thunder Rosa and people who listen to this show know that there's no love loss between myself and Thunder Rosa. But, you know, you said that she may not deserve a, a rematch, but you talked about that match she had with Britt Baker. She wasn't at 100 percent. So I think most fans would disagree and say, you know what? She does deserve a rematch against you just for that hey, fact hey, alone. Hey, hey. It's not my problem. She chose to have that match so she can have a moment of glory before working for the company that she works for. She should have came in 100%. That's not my problem. That's her problem. But, but I thought about it a little bit and I thought, you know, a lot of times Thunder Rosa, she says, I'm not scared of anyone. I'm not. Scared. 
sometimes in life, I'm not saying you should be scared, but you should be mindful. You, you should go, the worst games I ever played in my life is when I went in not giving a damn. When I had a little bit of fear, a little bit of nervousness, that's when I played my best games. So I think Thunder Rosa was, I'm not scared of anyone. I'm big and bad. Well, you know what? I'll give you another chance possibly to rethink that, come in with a different game plan and then see how you do. Fear is one hell of a motivator in life and in the wrestling business. Um, I've seen your true personality before. I kind of hear a little bit of it coming out right now. Do you feel that you have been able to show the full range of who you truly are? And will this, this summit or this sit down uh, show us that anymore? I think this summit definitely is going to show it a little bit more. Once I get to talking, my accent comes out a little bit more. <laughs> my, the, the way I speak comes out a little bit more. I always try to keep, you know, I've had regular jobs my whole life. And so even when we start this, I'm going to be professional. But when I get emotional about something, that's when the real me sort of starts coming out. And this summit gets a little bit emotional. So, yes, people are going to see a bit more of what, you know, goes on in my head and, and how I react to things. It's interesting to me because Thunder Rosa beat Britt Baker on AEW. Britt Baker's the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship. A lot of people talk about Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa being two of the best women's wrestlers in the world right now. You beat Thunder Rosa. So do you feel like you're underappreciated? Because when people talk about some of the great ones out there right now, they don't necessarily say your name. Do you feel like you're being disrespected by the pro wrestling community? Well, let me say this right now. No one, no one can make me feel disrespected as far as I, mean, I got rid of my Twitter. I got rid of all that because at the end of the day, the only opinions I care about, my own, my parents, I hope that they enjoy the product. I really care about my parents' opinions, okay? And my boss, the guy that, that writes my checks. Okay. So I think that time will tell what I have to offer. And I think that a lot of people get mixed up years in the business like the time in mixed up with quality and so people still think oh she's she's brand new she can't be she can't be good or she can't be, this is that's fine you think that but when you continue to watch what i do what i you know can produce then that narrative will change and we don't have as big of an audience on the product right now we just don't and we're behind a paywall so once we get the chance to get more eyes on it more eyes on the company. Like I said earlier, when we get more eyes on the company, more eyes will then be on me. So it, it will come with time. Let me touch on the social media aspect of uh, the professional wrestling industry. You said you canceled your Twitter. I know you mm -hmm. still have Instagram, but what I noticed on your Instagram is only the people that follow you can really comment on anything that you put out there. How do you feel about social media in general, but most importantly, how it relates to the wrestling business and how do you deal with the negativity that comes with social media? I mean, but deleting, deleting your account pretty much shows how you deal with it, which is a great idea, but how has it affected you? How do you deal with it? And does it get into your head at times? So a big reason I got rid of Twitter is that, and I've been pretty open about this before. I'm not like shying away from it and I don't like to rub it in people's faces, but I have bipolar disorder. So a big part of that is I got extreme highs and extreme lows. And what used to happen to me a lot of times is 
anyone even without you know any sort of mental stuff going on in wrestling gives you this really really high this rush and what social media has done is create afterwards you can continue that high you can keep getting your fix because you can look at comments you can see what well, did people like this did all this stuff and then three days later when no one's talking about it anymore i don't care what match you had no one's talking about it anymore three days later you're looking you're looking for your next fix you're looking for that next validity like you need you know what i'm saying and i was just was like you know what when i'm done doing my job as long as i'm proud of myself and i feel i feel good about it that's it i'm done for the day and that and that's that kind of separation like i talked about of now i'm back into my real life and my real world because i can't constantly have this huge huge up and down so for me getting rid of twitter it's been a great way to balance everything out and stay at a nice like equilibrium and also it just for me i realized that not even in the wrestling world like politics everything i miss the days where i didn't know everybody's opinion like people's opinions are none of my business and twitter has made everyone's opinions other people's business and i i, I don't want to see i don't want to see it there's people that i really i like and now i'm seeing their opinions of stuff and i'm like oh yeah we, we really disagree about <laughs> about a lot of things here and i don't think that, that should change your relationship technically with someone so I just, and a lot of people too, they have their wrestling character, they have who they are in real life, and then they have this weird like Twitter persona. And it was really kind of, it just took a lot for me to bite my tongue when I would see people, you know, especially fans feeding into it, like, oh my God, they're the best person ever. They stand for this, this, this. And I was just sitting there like, you guys have no idea who this person is. And so I just, just detaching from that has been very good for me personally. So we know who you are in the professional wrestling business. We know who you are when you're in that ring. Who are you in real life? Who I am in real life. I mean, it is who I am in the wrestling ring and my character and stuff. It is me. It's, it's especially now that I can talk more. It is, it's an extension of myself, but in real life, um, I don't, I don't want to say I don't like people because that sounds, I, I don't like being around lots of people. You don't like people. You can say. <laughs> I just, I like staying to myself, man. I, I like, I like sticking to my routines. I wake up, I eat the same things every day. I do my gym at the same time. I just, I stick to my routine and, and I just, I, I'm very close to the people that are close to me. If that makes any sense. Like those are like, I'm a ride for them. And they're going to ride for me. And that's all I need. Uh, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm good with that. So that's just the type of person I am. Well, the only thing that's really important is being happy. So as long yeah. as your routine and being off of social media makes you happy and helps you, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And I think, I think you're right with social media. And one thing, a lot of people buy into other people's views as facts. A lot of people read a tweet and automatically think it's a fact when it's just somebody's opinion and you don't even know where they got that from. Mm -hmm. So social media could be a big help, especially in like our business, like Bully and I with this show. But I can tell from a pro wrestling angle how it could be detrimental because like you said, as long as the person you were in the ring with and as long as your boss think that you're doing a good job, it doesn't really matter what people say because half the people, when they make a comment, didn't even see your match in the first place. It's all predetermined by what they already think before you actually step into the ring. 
A hundred percent. A lot of people that, you know, if I see complaints about people that we uh, have brought in and they're complaining about, oh, this and that and their past and blah, blah, blah. You weren't going to buy the product anyway. You weren't going to watch anyway. So mm. sorry about it. I'm not, we're not going to change our whole company for the what? 5% is just, but the thing is, is the social media makes that 5% the loudest voice. And when really in reality, it's just not. I believe you have a very fuck you personality. Wow. And and I and whether or not you want to agree with that is fine. That's my take on you and I think that's uh -huh. good. Uh have you had to curtail that personality for the wrestling business? I would I think that if I were with a different company, I would have to a little bit more yes but that is why i do love nwa so much i can talk to the higher ups like myself i don't feel like i have to walk on eggshells and they they know like billy know billy when he when he is trying to act like me or whatever he's like he's like yes and this and this and like <laughs> so he just knows that's how i talk i don't mean anything by it i don't I'm not trying to rub anybody wrong. He he knows that that's just me. And so I like the fact that I don't I feel like I have to walk on eggshells. But Tom, my fiance, he's also helped me see the other side of, hey, you have to sort of act this way in this moment or, you know, more professional here, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I try to find a, a nice medium. Big well, fan of Bram, always have been. Love the guy. He's another bad mother trucker, somebody you don't want to meet in a dark alley. It's so funny, though. Everyone thinks, you know, everybody knows about Tom's past and, and stuff. And, he, and he's been sober almost two years, two years now and has really just completely gotten his life together and is doing amazing. And the, the funny thing about it is they might think that he's, he's the nicest guy in the world. I'm the mean one. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the one who should have a bad rep. <laughs> Well, keep so, doing what yeah. you're doing, seriously, because it's showing you're one of the top names with the NWA right now. You can watch NWA Power at 6.05 each and every Tuesday night on Fight TV. Uh, there is a paywall, but it's very cheap, and it's worth it for all the action that you get from the NWA. Again, at 6.05 on Fight TV. Camille, thank you so much for the time, and good luck with everything. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for Sirius XM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.